0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. Mark chapter number 2, we're going to begin in verse number 23 of Mark chapter 2. We find that it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read that what David did? When he had need, he was hungered, and he and they were, were with him. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Father, would you help us this evening as we look into your word? God, I pray that you bless every aspect of the service. Teach us something. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak through your word. Challenge us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is with his disciples. They're walking through these cornfields on the Sabbath day and they're not stealing this corn there is a a uh, old testament verse in deuteronomy uh, the bible tells us in deuteronomy 2325 when thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shall not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. And so we find that what the disciples were doing as you were traveling in those days and you were hungry, uh, the farmers and those that planted crop, they would plant extra and you could come through. As long as you weren't trying to steal a harvest of their crop, you could go through the corn and you could eat when you were hungry. This was for those that were poor. This was for those that were traveling. Uh, they didn't have restaurants, maybe like we have today. Uh, they didn't have the, the, the luxuries that we have. And so they would just come through and they would eat. And they were on the Sabbath day here and they'd come through this corn. And the Pharisees used this as an opportunity to bring an accusation against Christ. How many of you have ever had, have you ever had someone um, criticize you? Does anybody, anybody had a critic? How do you handle How do you handle critics in your life? I want to talk to you a little bit about that this evening and, and, uh, just how do you handle critics? You know, on occasion, Christ, he would ignore them. You know, sometimes, sometimes I think the best thing you do can, can ignore them, right? But do you ever, do you ever ignore critics and they just keep coming (laughs) and do you ignore all critics in your life? The Bible tells us this in Solomon, uh, why is man in the Bible? He said in Proverbs 26, 4, maybe sometimes you've used this, uh, this verse. You say, the Bible says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. How many of you ever used that verse in dealing with someone? Nobody? How many of you knew that verse was there? One person, all right. Answer not a fool to his folly. But if you use that verse, you know what the very next verse is? How many of you know what the next verse says? The very next verse in Proverbs says this, answer a fool according to his folly, <laughs> lest he be wise in his own conceit. And so Proverbs tells us, answer not a fool, and then the very next verse says, answer a fool to his folly. And so I think, I think what, what uh, the context is revealing here to us is this, there, are, there is at times an appropriate time in answering someone, and at times maybe there's not. But you can't just ignore every critic, nor, nor can a person answer every critic. There were some times that Jesus was criticized through the New Testament, and you find where he didn't answer. There were times that he answered, and, and uh, 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 I'm not sure exactly what, he, what his reasoning on not answering versus answering, but we know this, at times he did both. You know, at times, Jesus wouldn't answer a critic. And at other times, when he went into the temple, could you imagine Jesus going in and just throwing over all these tables in the temple? There were times that he dealt with critics. And I want to just give you a few thoughts here. As Mark, Mark chapter number two, he exposes this this increasing animosity on the behalf of the Pharisees toward Christ. The Pharisees were looking for any opportunity that they could to destroy Christ. They were looking for reasons. Here his disciples are hungry and the disciples are walking through this corn here in this chapter and we find that the Pharisees unfairly begin to attack Jesus' disciples. They're eating on this journey. I want to just give you, again, some thoughts here tonight, and and uh, my aim is just to give you some things for us to leave here, to contemplate some, and pray the Lord uses those in our life here this week. But in verse number 23, and verse number 24 of this chapter, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on, on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, behold, why do they on this Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Asking him this question. So we first find this criticism of the skeptics. We find the criticism. We find those that are looking for fault in Jesus and his disciples. And we begin to study and find here their criticism. And as this, as this scene develops, the disciples are walking through the cornfields. They're plucking off the ears of the corn. They're not looking to sell. They're not looking to, to uh, make money on this. This isn't their job. They're not working on this day. They're simply hungry, trying to find something to eat. And they find themselves in this place, this corn is available, and they're not, as I mentioned earlier, they're not stealing this corn. We find them plucking this corn. They're not upset that they're plucking the corn. They're upset because of the day the Pharisees say that they're plucking this corn. The Pharisees don't have issue with the fact they're taking this corn. The Pharisees have day, issue with the day on which they find themselves plucking this corn. It was Sabbath day. In the wording of this text, this group was more than happy to find something to criticize. You see, the Bible says in verse number 24, behold, behold, why do they on this Sabbath day? It was almost as the Pharisees were watching, waiting for something to go wrong so they could criticize. They were waiting, they were watching, they, were, they couldn't find anything up until this point. But as soon as they found this, they began to rehearse in their mind the law and began to, in their mind, put some stipulations out there and said, you know what, this is wrong. Behold, we finally have found something, we're going to bring this to your attention. And, and, and that word behold, it gives kind of the idea that they were watching for something to go wrong so they could bring it out. Sometimes you have to realize that sometimes critics are always looking for something that they can bring up. They're always looking for something. The Pharisees, their whole intent was just simply to find something that they could bring up against Christ. The law, they said where they were breaking, in Exodus chapter number 20, beginning in verse number 8, this is what the Pharisees said they were breaking. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day and the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservants, thy maidservants, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within the gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and the rest it on the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hollowed it. And they took that portion of scripture and they said to the disciples and to Jesus, you're going against the law. You're breaking the Sabbath. Phillips, a Bible commentator, he said this, they hedged the Sabbath with a thousand man-made rules and regulations. Most of them Ridiculous. They made the Sabbath a burden, whereas God had intended it to be a blessing. In their view, plucking an ear of corn was equivalent to reaping. Rubbing away the husk was the same as threshing. So according to the Pharisees' traditions, the disciples had violated the Sabbath and broken the law. They weren't looking at simply the disciples were looking for something to eat. They were saying the disciples were harvesting corn or working in the fields. And what the Pharisees did, the Pharisees added man-made traditions to the law. And, and, And according to the Pharisees, you know what they could do? They could find anything they wanted to criticize because they were adding to the word of God. They took a law that was very clear in the Bible and they added things to it. You know, church, I think that we need to be very careful. I think religion, if we're not careful, religion adds things to the word of God religion offends people because there's so many man-made things that are placed upon religion wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we simply could just come to the house of God and worship the Lord and, and not have to worry about man-made things that we put on religion I was I was in third grade my, my mom came to visit not long ago this, this summer and we were driving her back up to Michigan to be with my brother and we stopped at this McDonald's and in the McDonald's, there was, a, there was this, this movie, uh, and I think it was a kid's movie. It must have been, it was at McDonald's. And my mom said to me, I want to see that. And oh, the, 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 these, these thoughts filled my mind, and I just kind of laughed at her, and not that she wanted to see this kid's movie, but just, I thought it was interesting. So we, I just chuckled, and she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, oh, nothing, mom. She said, no, what are you laughing about? We got into the car and Michelle said, yeah, what are you laughing about? I said, mom, do you remember when I was in third grade? Do you remember when I came home because the neighbor asked me to go to the movies with them and I got in trouble for asking to go to the movies? Do you remember that mom? She just kind of stared at me like with, I don't remember that. I said, oh, I remember it well. I said, I didn't get in trouble for going to the movies. I didn't get in trouble for sneaking out. I got in trouble for asking. I said, do you remember what you said to me, Mom? She said, no, I don't. I said, well, let's just forget it because it has scarred me and I'm not going to bring it back up. (laughs) And for the next several minutes in the car, we just kind of laughed and she said, you know, sometimes we put things and add things. And she says, you know, the older I get, sometimes the things I see didn't always make a whole lot of sense. Now, I don't say that to talk bad against my mom. I love my mom. But you know, sometimes there's things that we add that I think, if we're not careful, they're not going to cause us to become holy. They're not going to get us any closer to the Lord. They're not things that that uh, uh, are understanding a deeper understanding of the Word of God. Sometimes I think, if we're not careful, it's like the Pharisees. We add things that don't make a lot of sense. And then when someone doesn't live the way we think they ought to live, not according to Scripture, but according to our preferences, we think it's a lack of spirituality. And what the Pharisees are doing, think about this, the Pharisees are telling Jesus how to be spiritual. The Pharisees are telling Jesus what the law says. I like what Jesus answered. We're going to see that in just a moment. But I just want us to think, everyone all right this evening? Everybody comfortable? Huh? If you go to the movies or don't go to the movies, that's not about it tonight. I'm just simply using my mom as an illustration tonight. But I think if we're not careful, we can put too much on things that have nothing to do with the Bible. Have you ever done it? Has anyone ever done it to you? You know, I, I think that this, as we, as we look at this passage of scripture, man-made rules rob the Sabbath of its meaning and joy that it was intended to bring. If we're not careful, man-made rules, if we're not careful, we want to impress them upon others, it actually robs us of joy that God wants to give us. Now, the reality is this. We in our family, the Rands family, we have preferences just like you have in your life. There are certain preferences that we in our family will live by, but I am very cautious to come into this pulpit and begin to preach preferences that I can't prove in the Word of God. And the reality is this. If there's preferences that you have or preferences that I have, if I want to raise my children according to specific preferences in my life, I have every right to do that as a parent, Brother Mike, don't I? Where I think that we have to be very careful is when we use those to begin to judge someone else and begin to look at someone else and dictate to them what spiritual is and isn't based upon what I feel or I think. Are you with me this evening? All right. Boy, it's getting quiet. Is this the 1050 crowd or the 930 crowd? (laughs) Stay with me tonight. Because obviously I don't want to offend. I just want us to think through some things. You know, the reality is this. Some of the things, some of the things that... um, my parents did in my home not everything they did I do in my home but every biblical thing that my parents taught me I want to duplicate that in my home every biblical thing, get that every single thing where we point back to scripture as a parent I don't have the right to take that out and replace it with something else i we very careful as we make decisions and as a church, you know, someone just said to me recently, and not, not complaining in any way, not being critical in any way, they just simply said, you know, our church is different than it used to be. And I said, Is it good or bad? And they said, No, it's not good or bad. It's just just making a statement. I mean, a good, 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 godly member of church, again, not being critical, just saying something different. You know, every biblical thing that this church has ever been taught over the years, I want to remain solid on that. I mean, every, every, everything that the, the foundation of the Word of God that, that this church was built upon, the foundation that my parents raised me upon, I want to stay true to that. Boy, if the Bible says it, I think we ought to believe it and I think we ought to live it. I don't think we ought to debate what the Bible says. I don't think we ought to decide if the Bible says this, should we or shouldn't we? I think if the Bible says it, our only, only response is to obediently do it without question. But I think this, we need to understand that if there's any man-made rules that rob the Sabbath as this context here of its meaning, it takes joy. It takes joy away from serving the Lord. Here, the Pharisees would develop their preferences and then claim that, all, that any who did not keep their oral traditions were not true followers of God. Again, could you imagine a Pharisee saying to Jesus or implying to Jesus that you are not a true follower of God? He was God. He was God. In the beginning, he was the Word. He was the Word. The very Word they were denying that he was following, he was. no, you've got to keep this oral tradition. You know, that is a poor attitude that pushes people away from the truth. You can say amen right there. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful that we don't think like Pharisees to where we're pushing people away from the truth with some man-made tradition. You say, oh, what does this mean? What are you going to do now? I don't have anything in mind. I'm just preaching through the book of Mark. I know this, that, that Jesus is here with his disciples and he's training his disciples, he's developing his disciples, he's, he's, he's investing in his disciples because he knows at some point he is going to be crucified and his disciples are going to be left here upon this earth and everything hinges on them and they're to take the gospel message and they're going to begin to do things differently. They're going to go into Jerusalem and they're going to preach and 3,000 people are going to get saved and, 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 and the church is going to grow and they're going to have to come together and use and they were going to have house churches and, and boy, they were going to talk about all these things that the New Testament church was going to start to do. They were going to send out missionaries from their church and these missionaries were going to proclaim the truth around the world and Gentiles were going to hear the gospel and the Messiah was going to be presented to the Gentile nations. All of this had to happen. Jesus is investing in his disciples, in the Pharisees, the religious crowd comes up and they say to Jesus, what you are doing is wrong. You know, the same attitude that lends us, leads us to do similar things today. Even within the faith of our family. You know, there's been many battles through the years. There's been many conflicts. There's been many criticisms through the years that, although labeled matters of the faith, they're really nothing more than personal preferences. It's getting quiet in here. Come on. We sang an extra song to get you moving. Everybody with me? I'm not going to ask if you want to vote tonight to kick me out or not. My goodness. You know, they're labeled matters of the faith. They're really nothing more than personal preferences. Listen, I'm not not beating anybody up. I'm just simply saying we've got a community to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be Pharisees. A couple weeks ago, we had teenagers stand up here. I want to see that generation reach their generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ we don't need to be Pharisees. I see these kids all through the church here this evening. I want this generation coming up to serve the Lord. Now there are a couple kids up here singing. they're not kids anymore. One of them's graduated from high school, another one's in high school. You know, one of the reasons I asked Tom and I wanted to to sing, you know, I I want to just get more and more people involved in singing. I want to get more and more people involved in playing instruments. I want to get more and more people involved in serving. I said to one of the Kaiser girls, they were singing after church this morning and I said, do you know how to play the piano? She says, yes. Look at me like, why? I said, can you play it tonight? She said, no. (laughs) So I'm going to tell your dad. I want our young people to to sing. I want them to love this place. I, like many of you, I've got five young people, five children that, you know, they didn't do things the way I did things growing up. And listen, we can either curse that, we can get upset with that, we can get annoyed with that, or we can simply say, you know what, you can use that for Jesus, But if we're not careful, we can be just like these Pharisees that put personal preferences ahead of biblical things. You know, this, now don't get mad at me. But if you do, maybe you ought to look at your heart. This stems from a self-righteous attitude and a need to validate oneself or one group while criticizing others. Now listen to me, you know this, I'll preach on sin, I'll name call sin, I'm not compromising on the scripture, I will never compromise on the word of God, if that ever happens then you need to find a new pastor, I'm not afraid to preach on sin, I'm not afraid to preach on on, on biblical things. But I think we ought to be very careful that if we're, not, if we're not careful, we could begin to criticize what maybe others are doing or be critical of, of others that are serving the Lord because they might not do it the way we do it. You know, not everyone that doesn't do it our way is wrong. Now... Just over the last several weeks, I've showed you and I have said to you that I think it's wrong for us to compromise on doctrine. I think it's wrong for us to just get with this group that's happening in this world. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter your faith. It doesn't matter, you know, any, anything. Just just come together in the spirit of unity. And if we're going to compromise scripture to come together for unity, we're wrong. I get, I get, I get emails often about preacher's fellowships and trying to get together and I'll get emails and they won't, be, they won't even have the same doctrine. They won't have the same belief. I just take those emails and I put it in the trash can. But I'm telling you, if there's a brother that wants to serve the Lord and obeys the word of God but maybe does something a little bit different, they're not our enemy. We find here the second thing in verse number 25. You're either either quiet or sleeping. Which one is it this evening? Verse number 25, and he said unto them, have you never read what David did? When he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him, he used the scripture to correct them. Secondly, I want you to see in chapter number two, verse 25, he used the scripture for correction. Jesus responded, have you never read what David did? Of course, of course they read. They studied the scriptures. They knew what David did. That's why he used that reference. Jesus was essentially saying this. You need to look to the Bible for direction in your life. I mean, what you're trying to use to, to criticize the follow that one of your fathers did. He says, you need to use the Bible for direction, not to the traditions of your fathers, but use this, use this for direction in your life. You know, so many of our problems would be cleared up if we would open up the word of God and see what it has to say. I think it's dangerous. It's very dangerous for us to say, "I don't know." Why I believe that it's just it's just what I believe. I believe everything that we're going to stand upon, everything that we're going to judge it with. Everything ought to be ought to be uh, uh, placed in the Word of God where we can find it. You ever find yourself doing something just because you were told to do something? We we were having some discussion, several of us not long ago, and 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 said, "Well." what do you think this means in the Bible? And I said, I don't think that's in the Bible. Of course it's in the Bible. How do you know it's in the Bible? I remember someone told me it was in the Bible. Well, go find it in the Bible. You know what we couldn't do? We couldn't find it in the Bible. But it's gotta be there. But we need to be careful just to say it's there. We need to find where it's at and then stand upon it. If the Bible says it, let's stand upon it. If the Bible's not clear on it, then I don't think that we ought to take a stance like the Bible says, it says. Matthew eleven two through six. Jesus said, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto him, go and show John again those things which you do and hear and see the blind receive the sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Here we find Jesus answering Mar, uh, uh, John's question. John says to his disciples, he's in prison, and, he, and, he, and he, this is the same John that said, behold, the, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, this is the same John that took Jesus and, and placed him in the water there and baptized him, and, and this is the same John that said, I'm just a forerunner, but that's the that's the christ that's the messiah now john finds himself in prison and john begins to doubt and john begins to get confused and john says to his disciples go ask this jesus if he's the one and jesus simply says go back to john and ask him what does the scripture say begins to quote from the Old Testament. He begins to quote using Isaiah, and he says to John, John, the answer is this. I'm doing everything that Isaiah said I was doing. I am the Christ, not because I say it, but because the scripture says it's true. Oh, listen to me. We need to be grounded in the word of God. We need to stand solid upon the word of God. We need to raise our families upon the word of God. We need to trust. We need to believe. If the scripture says it, we ought to do it. Our beliefs ought to be grounded in the word of God listen we ought to use uh, scripture to correct you know when doubts and discouragement or divisions come into our lives we would do well to follow the example of Jesus and use the word of God to decide what's truth maybe you have division or maybe you have a different thought of what things should be or shouldn't be you know what I would simply say? Use the word of God to decide. Use the word of God. If you've got division with a friend because a friend isn't doing something the way you think they ought to do, use the word of God to decide. If there's a thought and there's a, a, an issue with you and another brother, use the word of God to, des- to decide. See, the word of God is always right. It's always true. You know how you solve conflict? Resolve it with the word of God. Stand upon the word of God. You know, if I hear in this passage of scripture, whether it be whether it be the, the, the Pharisees or the scripture I read in Matthew where John's asking Jesus, you know what Jesus used? He used the word of God to decide. You know the Pharisees, they've read Isaiah. They weren't looking for truth or its meaning. They were just looking to criticize. And here the Pharisees, Jesus continued to go back and use Scripture. You see, listen to this. The Pharisees, the Bible had became become a legal book for prosecuting attorneys rather than a love letter, a love letter from God. We need to be careful that we don't use the word of God as a legal book, as prosecuting attorneys, but we need to realize it's a love letter from God. The Pharisees are using it as a resource to condemn. They missed it. They missed the obvious. Let me get to the fourth point here. I'm going to skip number three. Because you're real quiet. If you were saying amen, I'd get to verse number three. Number four. Just for sake of time, let me get here. In verse number 28, the Bible says this, therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. You know, we find here the conclusion of the Sabbath. Sometimes we read the scripture and understand what we read, but we don't understand it the way it should read. We think we understand it. Here in verse number 28, Jesus said, therefore, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Listen to me this evening. That statement, that statement is huge. That statement we need to pay attention to. You see, by asserting that he was God and he was the Lord of the Sabbath day, Jesus was saying he could do whatever he wanted to do on that day. Again, think about this. The Pharisees are using the word of God to criticize the word of God. And Jesus' response was this. I am the word of God. Settled. He's not gonna violate scripture. And Jesus could do whatever he decided to do because he was the word of God. And when Jesus fulfilled the law, he abolished the Sabbath because he is the Sabbath. And they just didn't understand this. Listen, following the resurrection of Christ, in Matthew 28, 1, the Bible reads this, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Jesus' work on the cross literally ended the Sabbath. He was the Sabbath. It's him to be worshiped, not a day. Could you imagine coming to church and us worshiping something other than Jesus Christ? Anything you put above scripture, you are you are. Listen, any preference you put above scripture, you're worshiping that script that preference, not scripture. Anything in your home that you put above scripture, you're worshiping that because when that becomes violated, it begins to offend. And it's not scripture that has offended you. It's something that you have placed above scripture. And that's not worship. Listen, the Pharisees here, they're worshiping a law, a Sabbath day, and Jesus says, what are you doing? I am the Sabbath. You're to worship me. The Sabbath didn't come and die for your sins. Jesus did. So keep the Sabbath day. But gossip and complain and be critical. Keep the Sabbath day and and, and lust. Keep the Sabbath day and live in sin. That's not about keeping the Sabbath day. It's about worshiping the Savior and following him and keeping his laws. If we're not careful, church, we can become just like the Pharisees. Things and traditions can become so important that we lose sight of worshiping the one we come to worship. You ever get get offended when you came to church at something? Come on, talk to me. Joe, you ever get offended? (laughs) He said, Don't bother me. I'm out of this. Good grief. You're the only one paying attention. I had to make eye contact with you. Did you ever get offended? Mike, did you ever get offended? You have? What well, do you get offended over? No, just kidding. You know, the reality is just everybody gets offended. I get offended with myself sometimes. My wife gets offended. I got offended by, this morning. My wife said to me this morning, can you believe it? She said, you have got to start preaching Shorter on Sunday mornings. And I looked at her and said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't ever say that to your wife. <laughs> Especially before lunch is made. Because you get leftovers. <laughs> she says, no, people, you got you to, people are just you're preaching too long. And I said, I don't know how to stop right now. I'm into this message. It's so hard. I'm, I'm preaching and, and, and I just don't know a good place to stop. She says, I'm going to start showing you a good place. I'm going to stand in the back of the auditorium. When I do this, you're done. (laughs) I'm glad she's teaching tonight. Listen, all of us get offended. Listen, we've got to finally decide, eventually decide in our life are we going to stay offended? Are we going to just worship the Lord? There's never going to be a perfect place. Listen to me, there's no perfect marriage. If you're looking for a perfect marriage, there isn't one. I've got the closest thing to a perfect wife, so the rest of you men are, sorry. Listen, there's no perfect marriage. You're gonna be offended. There's no perfect kids. You're gonna be offended. Listen, kids, there's no perfect parents. You're gonna be offended. There's no perfect church. You're gonna be offended. We're not going to see what perfection looks like until we get to heaven. And then you know what? It's going to be so different than what you think is perfect. You're going to have to say you were wrong for once. This is nothing like I imagined. No kidding. So we can decide, let's just stay in our offense or let's just let the Lord be the Lord of the Sabbath and worship him.